t-shirts in the shop. Just go to pgttcm.com, check out all of our cool t-shirts and stickers. Heck, we even got some shower curtains in there. Keep clean, look cool, have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon and get a free sticker. Or don't. It's up to you. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose-leaf and common broken-leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, They have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, D.B. Spitzer and Farmer Dave, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu Mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential events like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leanings. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us, once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Hello, everyone. It is me, D.B. Spitzer, and to my virtual right, as always, Farmer Dave, David Heath, how the heck is it going? I am pretty the heck well doing. Yeah, yeah. How's 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 everything on the new farm? It's it's going pretty good. You know, the goats were just sort of luck if the boats come by the the little island that's not an island, and and the ospreys fly over. So it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's well. Yeah, it's really nice. You uh. My, my, one of my favorite things is going down and seeing herons there when I was a little kid, but yeah. Great blue and night herons. Yes. Yeah. Both kinds of herons. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, and uh, speaking of Portland, we just got some great news that come February 17th to the 19th, we are going to be at... Uh, Fan Expo 2023, Portland, Oregon, formerly known as Wizard World. But yeah, no, uh, they've changed their name. I don't know what that's about, but hey, that's cool. Well, I have a theory. Yeah. Should I blaspheme? Go for it. Go for it. I want to hear this theory. You you know what the wizard was in Wizard World, right? No. Wizard Magazine, which was a a comic book magazine. Okay. Okay. And it, it's no longer in print, so I, I suspect, although I'm not heard officially, that's why their name was changed. Gotcha. That makes sense. That 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 makes a lot of sense. I don't know. I was thinking maybe they wanted to sound like it's more than just Harry Potter and Dungeons and Dragons. And, and, and there <laughs> might be some to that, but I I'm pretty sure that it was originally financed by Wizard Magazine. Okay. All right. Cool. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, there's going to be a lot of Star Trek people there this year. There's going to be a lot of uh, Evil Dead people there this year. I can't remember who all else is going to be there this year, but there's there's going to be a lot of cool celebrities there this year. Uh, a lot of up-and-coming comic book artists. Yeah, yeah, that's always a fun thing to see is up-and-comers, web comic people I've seen there over the years. Uh, They've got tables. There's going to be all kinds of people uh, slinging gear. I'm going to be at a table uh, where my buddy JC, uh, I'll I'll, uh, throw a link up on uh, to his uh, Instagram. If you're looking for a blaster, if you're looking for a a 24th century monocle, you know, so that you can see like Jordy LaForge. If you're uh, looking for any kind of thing like that, uh, my, my, my buddy, uh, uh, Jeremy Clark, he, he prints stuff up and uh, stuff that you can't find. Like uh, if, 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 there, if, if, if you can buy it already, um, he's already gotten a cease and desist on it. <laughs> okay. If, if it's something that you're like, oh, hey, I wonder if I can get that glaive from Kroll. Uh, yeah, Jeremy can set you up and he's he sells and makes all kinds of stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm going to be helping him out. Um, I'm trying to convince him to bring the 3D printer. And uh, <laughs> he's like, I don't know, that's it's a, that's that's pretty expensive. But, yeah, he's got a yeah. bunch of 3D printers going all the time. And uh, this is his first convention. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to help him out. Yeah, I don't want some, you know. Uh, fan to accidentally spell frozen yogurt into your 3D printer. No, no. And I'm going to be selling some guitar stuff there while I'm there. Some amps, uh, a couple of guitars, some guitar kits, uh, also a whole bunch of guitar knobs and a bad grip of the new pen, our new button, uh, one-inch button uh, for this season, season 17, for People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. And if you want to get uh, check out the new logo, it is it's not a new logo. It's it's uh, kind of branding for season 17. And yeah, no, no, we uh, will be moving into season 17 on uh, the first of February or that first week of February. So yeah, expect that uh, new music everywhere and uh, just just a slightly different color palette. And just kind of like, I don't know. Some things. There will be yeah. some things. Yeah. We don't want to maybe explain it all now, but there will be yeah. some things. Uh, a few maybe more topics. Or hopefully we'll have some we'll have some really good guests. And, oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, so it, it'll be worth it'll be worth listening to. Yeah, yeah. Legal note. Disclaimer, oh. disclaimer worth listening to is not valid in Uganda, Mongolia, or Southern Oregon. Yep, yep. All right. So, this week, talking about some more Narlethotep. And we've got two entries this week. Uh, we've got the thing in the yellow mask, and we've got Thoth. Dave, what do you know about the thing in the yellow mask? Well, um, I think it was actually sort of much more based or developed in the role-playing games. Uh-huh. But it was a throw-out line, I believe, in one of the original uh, 
dream stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it uh, is the leader of of the people of Yegoth. Yeah, yeah. Which are yeah. not really people, but, you know. Uh, and they are the only ones that really worship it. Uh-huh. Um, and it was, um, I think, the white ship. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Salaphias and Salaphias, the okay. elder pharaohs. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I was wrong, but um, I can't not believe that it was not uh, inspired or influenced by the king yellow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing with the yellow mask seems very king in yellow. <laughs> yes, and we know that Lovecraft in his in his writing, you know, on on supernatural. And horror literature really enjoyed it, and so oh, and he's greatly influenced by it. So you get, you know, sort of a Chambers, but you also get a uh, Lord Dunsany uh, combination there. Hello. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a Lord Dunsany combination. That what? Well, that's what the, the so. Uh, the thing in the yellow mask is sort of a combination of of Lord Dunzany and his Pangea stories. Oh yeah, and yeah. Chambers, uh, King Yellow. So yeah, we'll definitely, definitely kind of puts them together. I'm, I'm trying to think of the story right off the top of my head, and but no, there are very uh, very similar stories uh, that I've done in the distant past on the show that were done Sanian that were just very kind of like, oh, wait a minute, huh, this sounds spooky. But it wasn't spooky. It was done Sanian, which is kind of like surreal, not quite nonsensical, but just kind of like, you know this doesn't take place in the last 5,000 years if it did happen on Earth. <laughs> yes, and, and and there's a lot of, we're going off a little bit of tangent, but a lot of Lovecraft is influence in Dunzany. Yes. Uh, such at, you know, the end of the thing, uh, the rats in the wall, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the character starts, uh, the last of the Della Polar family uh, starts reciting, um, you know, ancient lost tongues from his ancient people. Yeah. Uh, where Dunzany did a, a story where uh, a, a apparently white man in Africa mm-hmm. who who is part uh, genetically African. And yeah. w- uh, when he gets hit by a bus, he calls out the same thing his ancestors call out when they were attacked by a lion. Mm-hmm. Uh, where ancestral memory is, is uh-huh. a very strong Danzani Den- uh, Pangean uh, trope that Lovecraft Freely borrows through his stories. And yeah, so yeah. Most of most of the dreamlands are based on Dunzany's uh, uh, Pangea stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, and uh, there's a lot of stories where um, the plateau of Lang is mentioned, and that's where this priest is. This is this is like one of those places. This mm-hmm. this kind of connects with all kinds of things. Everything from Shauner Fawn. To 
Oh, goodness. Uh, Narlethotep, of course. The Chochos. Uh, the, the Chochos, the Dreamlands. This is, this is, uh, yeah, no, no, this is one of those things that it's like, you could do a lot with the thing in the yellow mask or thing in the yellow mask and tie it to all these and create all kinds of scenarios or short stories or poems if you chose to, I don't know, uh, expand upon the thing in the yellow mask. Uh, yeah. No, I – and I also think um, – it would be interesting if you had some sort of like priest that was directly channeling Narlethotep as an avatar kind of thing. What the avatar is, is someone dressed in these robes and like, you know, say, say, say they're like bloody robes and they have this like helmet mask thing that they wear over it. That's all yellow and gold and, you know, it's blasphemous in nature and they, they have a cult and stuff like that. But here's the thing. Um, when you kill that priest, the mask then goes onto your head, and then you're forced to wear the bloody robes that you just made even more bloody. And it's like yeah. the curse of the thing in the yellow mask. And now it's your job to lead this 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 group of cultists. And your job is is you have to lead these cultists. Or they'll go out and cause even more problems. Ooh, there's a good mm. short story for you. Anyone feel free to steal that. Just say, inspired by D.B. Spitzer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, think of the LMS. Do you have anything to say about that, uh, Dave? I, You know, like I said, Lovecraft, it, it, it was a Lovecraft co concept. Yeah, but it really wasn't one that he had developed. Sure. In fact, I don't think he actually links it to uh, Narlothotep. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, I think, yeah, definitely it's become more of a afterthought that it's a, a Narlothotep in the Dreamlands because – um, I'm pretty sure in the Dreamlands, in the Dreamlands, Narlethotep uh, calls himself Narlethotep. I mean, that's what I remember. Well, well so <laughs> an, an aspect of. Yes. And so, yeah. so there can be multiple aspects of Narlethotep, both in this world and in the Dreamlands. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, someone's got a deal with the uh, plateau of Lang. I mean, if you're going to be able to be at multiple places at once. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, no. Uh, also, it's the dreamland. So this is something that could affect your characters, your NPCs or whatever in their sleep. And like, you know, in their dreams, they're compelled to do things or um, I don't know. Uh, it's, it might be an interesting way to slowly start to introduce the dreamlands into your campaign setting using, uh, Narlethotep and, uh, the, uh, thing in the yellow mask and just kind of like slowly introduce that people will th be thinking you're introducing, uh, Haster, but then you can like start introducing stuff with Chochos and Shauner Fawn and uh Indians. yeah the creatures from ib 
Yep, yep, yep. And just like stuff like that, stuff that's like kind of like Dreamlands parallel. um stuff that's like not necessarily dreamlands but is kind of a result of the dreamlands and our world slipping together you know um maybe your team starts having a bunch of like friendly cats following them but you know um and this isn't meant to be um anything against anyone who wears a turban but uh you have men with turbans following you and then it's like revealed later when you pull off the turbans they have horns that oh man that was okay maybe don't do that maybe don't do that but the men of lang uh it could be any type of hat yeah yeah it could be any type of hat but yeah the men of lang they have horns and satyr legs so they look kind of funny in pants and they wear hats to cover their horns um yeah (laughs) So, so here's a concept that I don't think's developed in either the Call of Cthulhu game, sure, and, sure. and definitely not in Lovecraft. Yeah. But do these different masks of Narlathotep communicate? Oh, I have no does, idea. So does does one experience? Do they all know it? So can maybe all of a sudden your characters who did something in this plane? and encountered a form of Narlathotep, then they go into the dreamlands and they encounter, you know, the the uh, thing in the yellow mask, and he seems to already know things about him because another form in another dimension has already encountered him. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, two things I wanted to say about this. I like the idea of two cults of Narlathotep fighting over, like, something— and strangely um, enough, I think he does too. Yeah, because he's going to get it no matter what then. Yeah. Um, and I also really like the idea of maybe not all aspects of Narlethotep are aware of each other or know who each other are, but when they see each other, they'll be like, oh, okay. And Or maybe Narlethotep has a thing where all of its avatars meet up in one place and then kind of like do a merge together, know everything the other ones know, and then merge apart, drift and apart. And become, become planet, Captain Planet Narla at the tip? I don't know. I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, or, um, merging together, uh, fusing and then defusing, I think, uh, would be a pretty cool way to pass information to all of your uh, that or, or some sort of like Cthulhu Mythos Wi-Fi that they're all hooked up to across space and time. Or, or there's just the 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 primary entity. You know, does does it know everything that all the avatars know? I but think not that all the avatars share. Yeah, I think I think that might be a thing. And depending on the avatar, I think it may uh, be aware of time space. And uh, we don't know if avatar is like in a fixed time space that we would be like able to even identify like what if it's all the same thing it's just that uh, you know it's like oh yeah yeah i know that's when i was in my bloody tongue phase but now since i live outside of time and space yeah no i i can show up as the bloody tongue whenever but that was then and yeah no no now i'm the uh the the bird thing 
with with the the uh, sideways beak and the twelve eyes and uh, with the 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 bone bone. Cl- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. That's that's his, what I have to do with his college now. goth phase. Yeah. <laughs> but if your college goth phase could um, hang out with its friends across time and space and then grow out of its phase, but in its phase, the goth phase. Oh man. Um, shoot. I'm trying to describe this while like thinking about like two planes of time and multiple, uh, physical planes. It's, it's like, I feel like, uh, Narlethotep probably exists in a time like, like, um, like how it's hard for us to imagine like, uh, what a hypercube looks like. It's hard for us to imagine uh, what like two dimensions of time look like. Yes. Like, like having something that has like a point, a uh, uh, fixed point in time space, but then has like something that's kind of like a loose kind of like uh, maybe almost randomizer or something like that when it comes to time space that it constantly is always a part of, or it can exist in multiple uh, examples of time space at the same time. Some part of it always exists looking exactly the same, some sort of effigy of hate or something like that. I don't know. I, I, I think there's a lot that you can do with uh, Narlethotep and avatars. Um, yeah. The next avatar I want to talk about, uh, this hypothetical form uh, resembling an ibis-headed human may be the guys which Narlethotep uh, adopted for use among the early Egyptians. This is from uh, Hamblin, which Thoth's dagger. I, I want to say that that's that's an RPG. It, it is okay. Cool. Cool. It, it, it is, and it appears in several different places. Okay. Uh, it's definitely in, I think, the Curse of the Cathedrians, uh, and um, Seth Skorkowski, who's been on this show before. Uh huh. Okay. He has a he has a very good uh, rundown of the Thos Dagger scenario on oh, YouTube. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, uh, and he's always good, but uh, again, if you're not going to be the keeper, and he tells you very, this is where you guys, if you're going to run this, you, this is where you want to turn off uh, after you know a couple of minutes. But uh, yeah, he gives a very good rundown on that show on his uh, YouTube channel. Okay. All right. Um, and so for... I had a, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I had oh, a yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we know from Block uh-huh. that basically the Egyptian priesthood decided that they were going to eliminate not only Narlathotep, but any mention of them from history. Sure. So yeah. I wonder if that's a sort of his revenge is to take the form of one of their primary gods. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I, I like that. And if you go with the whole like the fact that Azathoth, uh, not Azathoth, that um, Narlethotep lives out of time space, uh, he could have introduced it before when someone else was mad about something else. <laughs> like I'll show you uh, before you're born. I'll introduce a religion that's all about me, and then you won't even care about this other thing. 
And in most, and Thoth is, you know, a, an actual Egyptian deity. Uh, and in most fiction or literature, he's basically, he's the good guy or yeah. one of the guys. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Uh, two things I wanted to say. Um, Thoth, apparently in ancient Egyptian, uh, would have been pronounced uh, Dwatye. Okay. Is, is the best I can do. Uh, and um, Ibises, Ibisai, I don't know. Um, in Australia, they're called, uh, they're, the slang term for them is bin chickens because they have okay. a big long beak that can eat out of the garbage cans. Oh, I did not <laughs> know that. And apparently they're all over Australia. But yeah. Um, and then I was thinking about, the other thing I was thinking about is how uh, Thoth is kind of like the um, Egyptian Hermes in some ways uh, and is kind of like, oh, um, I'm, tr I'm, I'm trying to think of like, uh, <sighs> credited with the uh, invention of writing Egyptian hieroglyphs. Um, let's see, what else? He's, he's also a judge of the dead, too, I believe. Ju judge of the dead, um, inventor of astronomy, astrology. Uh, science and numbers, science. mathematics, geometry, surveying, medicine, botany, theology, and all kinds of stuff like that. And then I was thinking, you know, that kind of reminds me of uh, Aza or Uza or Uaza from uh, Hebrew and Sumerian uh, religion. <laughs> like this is like Book of Enoch stuff like God's hmm. watchers and uh, Uaza is credited for sharing uh, knowledge from the kingdom of heaven with mortals and fornicating with ladies. And I'm like, that sounds just like, <laughs> that sounds exactly like Narla, that tip if you ask me. And then I was like, wait a minute, Aza, Thoth, Azathoth yeah. <laughs> is, is, is Narletho, Narlethotep's god named after uh, two ancient uh, deities? <laughs> and, and the meta answer is I cannot believe that Lovecraft wasn't thinking some form of Thoth yeah. when he created it. But yeah, the in-world... In sort of scenario, you know, did, is part of, uh, you know, uh, Narlothotep's joke on everybody is, I'm actually getting you prey to half of the, you know, the crawling atomic chaos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. <sighs> yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, uh, Want to learn more about Thoth? Egyptian mythology is where it's at, but... And one last thing, though, and I believe... The, 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 so Thoth, other than Azathoth, doesn't appear uh -huh. in Lovecraft. Yeah. But we do see humans with animal heads. Yes, we do. And including, I believe, the Ibis. 
in um, uh, Buried with the Pharaohs or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, it's got several names, but the, yeah. the story that he uh, ghost wrote for Houdini. Yes, yeah. Yeah, no, no. There are animal-headed uh, antagonists or non-antagonists. I don't even know what you want to call them. They were there. Yeah, they, <laughs> they kind of showed up. And... But yeah, yeah, no, not, not a lot of... Um, I mean, when when uh, Lovecraft does animal-headed things, it's, it's uh, fairly specific what he's referencing. If a lot of people in uh, Cthulhu Mythos, when they're referencing something that's animal headed it's 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 fairly fairly clear who they're trying to uh make reference to in like ancient history or at uh, least inspired by yeah uh inspired by kind of things um i mean there's a lot of things that you could say that like yig was inspired by and uh one thing that yog sothoth the first of the uh uh othoths in uh or uh or the first of the thoughts ending with thoughts i think is uh from uh the not dunachor uh yeah dunachor uh anyway i could be totally wrong on that but (laughs) is totally inspired by thought though uh yeah well, and among other, and I think where this comes, and and again, this is back to, to Lovecraft, but among other things, I'm pretty sure Thoth was the god of magic. Yes. And we see this, we see also see at least the name thrown around in uh, Robert E. Howard with mm-hmm. Amon Thoth. Yeah. As the yeah. wizard, so so it was a a name that at least if you know 1930s pulp readers didn't recognize it would be somewhere in the back of their head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, occultists uh, love Thoth. Uh, Alistair Crowley had an Egyptian-style tarot deck. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> it was all about Thoth, uh, Book yeah. of Thoth, and all that kind of stuff. So I have no idea if it was actually really based off anything or if Al- Alistair Crowley just made stuff up. Mm, a little bit of column A, a little <laughs> bit of column B. And notice how I say his last name. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, so we're going to uh, skip to part two of what are we talking about, Dave? We are talking about continuing talking about ultra-terrestrials. Ultra-terrestrials. And, All right. And a little bit about both Kiel's and Valet's views of them. All right. And then after that, we are going to be talking about the Feywild. I'm a little rusty, so uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. All right. Uh, we'll see you after the break, everyone. And uh, yeah. I'm Rob Poynton from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, 
music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon, because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. because maybe they don't exist. And we're going to finish up, we're going to wrap up part two of our discussion of ultra-terrestrials. And um, again, the idea is that we are experiencing, we, the human race, are experiencing contacts of some sort of entity which is not extraterrestrial. And that the theory is that just... Space is too far away for, you know, matter to travel. So these creatures, if they are of a supernatural origin, they would have to come from somewhere else, either somewhere in the Earth or in a different dimension. And if, if most people who would do a podcast about this, and I've listened to a few they would spend about half their podcast saying, okay, I, I get that this is crazy. And then a bunch of quantum physics possibilities why it might be possible. I'm not going to do that. I have the faintest idea. Quantum physics is just magic to me. To me, that you know, the observer effect is basically proof that we live in a matrix. And I'm not justifying this. I don't care if you believe it or if you think I'm crazy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a middle-aged goat farmer in Northern Oregon. I don't care what people think of me. But I also, I'm not coming this from a point of a believer or even as a skeptic or a scientist or a theorist. I'm coming here as a, a fiction writer and someone who enjoys fiction, as well as a Lovecraftian. So I'm mainly here to sort of talk about the theory. And no judgment, no, can it be possible? In reality, I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to most beyond natural things. So, you know, I'm not going to worry about the scientific aspect. One person who did worry about the scientific aspect, we talked a little bit about him last week, is Jacques Vallée. Uh, Jacques Vallée uh, is the person which Steven Spielberg based the Lacombe character on in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, 
and just a funny story, you know, I was having a friend over, and we're going to have some dinner and stuff. I said, hey, let's watch Close Encounters of the Third Time. I hadn't seen it. And he said, well, I'd love to, but do you think I'd understand the plot if I didn't see the Close Encounters of the First and Second Kind? Okay. I thought that was funny. But um, anyways, um, so Valet basically, as you remember from last week, is a astronomer. He is a scientist. And he sees something as a child that he thinks is an extraterrestrial craft. And he, more importantly, as he grows up, he begins to doubt that. But as he grows up, he sees that the French government seems, and this is what he claims, and you know, honestly, I don't doubt him, is destroying radar images of proofs of things that are orbiting the Earth in ways that they should not be. So like everyone else, Ballet jumps on the extraterrestrial bandwagon. And that's where that's where his, his background is. He's an astronomer. And he also believes it, you know, this is kind of the acceptable story. But after years and decades of examining and exploring this, he comes to the conclusion that these people are seeing something real. It is beyond our realms of understanding, but it is not from another planet. And so he gives five reasons why he believes that these, the extraterrestrial hypothesis cannot be true. And the first one is that there are far too many reports than would be justified by a true alien survey of the Earth. Basically, what he's saying is there's only so many butts you can probe. But his point is that an advanced society that could travel all this distance in space, that, that a biological survey could have been wrapped up much quicker. Why are there so many people reporting something when there's no more scientific reason, necessity. The aliens should be able to know everything about our race and our ecosystem and our biology within weeks. But they keep seem to be doing the same thing. Point number two is that the humanoid, the humanoid body structure of the alleged aliens is not likely to have originated on another planet and is biologic, it's just not biologically adapted for space travel. Now, I'm not sure, and of the three people we talked about, Heimick, Valet, and Kiel, Valet's the only one who's still alive, and he's not really much researcher. Uh, it's more, he does some computer science, but he's, he's, he lives with, you know, I believe he's still, his wife's still alive, and somewhere in the Bay Area. But his point, if he had made this argument now, as opposed to, say, in the 70s, or I guess this was written in the 90s, I think there would be some more argument pushback. The, uh, you know, very influenced by the Lovecraftian, but also Carl Sagan uh, approach that aliens should be that. They should not be aliens. Now, the theory is, maybe, I mean, is evolution really 
different on other planets, and that any planet in, say, that Goldilocks range, that, that small, just beautiful period, place in space where you can have liquid water and oxygen, that, that evolution would follow a humanoid pattern. Maybe. Why not? You know, evolution is not different in space than it is on Earth. Uh, so I'm not sure that that argument... And, and whoever says that they know the answer to this, that, that they're just holding opinions. Nobody knows. And I don't actually know why there can't be both. But his argument that there would be other forms that uh, would be more adaptive uh, for space travel is probably not wrong. Uh, it doesn't mean it's not happening, but it's probably not wrong. The reported behavior in thousands of abduction reports contradicts the hypotheses of genetic or scientific experimentation on human beings by any advanced race. Um, and, and again, we go back to Betty and Barney Hill, where the aliens, these people that basically created a spaceship that could travel across the stars, were stymied by the fact that Barney had false teeth and Betty did not. I mean, there's just so many samples that you can withdraw. And that, and again, he probably has a much better idea than I would of how a biologist would examine an organism and these aliens are just doing it differently. And number four is the extension of uh, phenomena throughout recorded history documents that UFOs are not a contemporary phenomenon. So, when this theory was first introduced to me, or Valet's teachings were first introduced to me, it was basically aliens are elves. And, it, you know, it, that's not what he's saying. What, what he's saying is that this is something that has been as old as human beings. And that prolonged, especially prolonged contact or scientific investigation for thousands and thousands and thousands of years it is a moot point. It's going to run out. And, you know, even the, you know, the saucer, uh, the nut and bolt saucer people who, who think that really is this creature from, or craft from another planet... You know, they, they say, well, many of them say, if they've been here for a while since, you know, the pyramids at all. But, uh, again, they just... How many years do you have to experiment on humans to understand them? And finally, he says, and the apparent ability of UFOs to manipulate space and time suggests radically different and richer alternatives. Yes or no? Yes and no. Yeah, I said it twice. Um, so, absolutely that UFOs, when we get into the hard, deep diving, we see things that seem symbolic and supernatural. We have quite a few reports of people after seeing UFOs experiencing ghost phenomena. Uh, after seeing or claiming to see UFOs, 
um, you know, there's some sort of change in their worldview that they begin to see other things. And it's extremely... I remember talking to someone who, who was pretty much, again, agnostic towards this, but he, he liked to study when we were in college, he liked to study UFO reports. And he says, you know, these things with the grays walking through the walls, they seem more like dimensional entities than they do aliens. Now, a significantly advanced technology, you know, it, it's magic. So, yes, things like, and it's a solid thing. There's no one doubting that the TikTok movie was, which was photo, was filmed by uh, Navy pilots. That object is a physical object, and it's doing things that we can't make physical objects do. So, is there a science that just so advanced? that it puts us all to magic. And, and I think of all the arguments, Valet, that's his weakest. That, you know, I once you know, told a friend, let's say you travel back into uh, colonial times and you had like a walkie-talkie. To them, that would be magic. To you, it might be a science. Maybe you don't know how to build one, but you understand the science. And to them, it would be magic. And so the, the point, though, that I think he misses and it kind of alludes to, in, in other things, it's just some bizarre stuff going on. You know, we talked about a few of them, like, you know, Betty Hill saying that the aliens started arguing because one alien is always loaning out books. We have um, uh, Betty Andreessen, uh, who claims to have seen a vision of, a, the aliens took her to see a vision of a phoenix. So there's a lot of just bizarre things. There's also a lot of stuff that seems one-offs that happen and are, is as credible as any of these, yet they are not within the accepted gray space alien narrative. I'm thinking of things like the Flatwood Monster or Mothman, or the um, Kelly Hopskinville Goblins, where there's as much evidence as there are for Greys. I mean, and which is kind of light when it comes to evidence. But at the same point, because these are one-offs, they're not they're not accepted into popular culture, like say the Greys are. Another thing is, so if these are experiences, then it's possible that what we are seeing is in true Lovecraftian form, so mind-boggling, so just out of there, so in Keel's words, in a different spectrum, that we're only getting the tip of the iceberg, just a little bit of a glimpse. And so our minds just look for a pattern. And it looks for that acceptable gray. It looks for, the oh, it's just nature. Or something that, even if the person experiencing it doesn't necessarily believe, can accept in this acceptable narrative. 
And that, I think, is the, the heart of the ultra-terrestrial theory, that there are these things that we are seeing, and they're not dwarves, they're not elves, they're not gray aliens, they're not Sasquatch, they're not witches, they're not ghosts. They're the fingerprint of this ultra-terrestrial creature and or creatures. And that they are similar slash maybe related, if not from the same source. And we are looking into these fingerprints. And our minds are looking for acceptable cultural passages or events or possibly entities like ghosts or, you know, werewolves if it was 400 years ago. And that this is the same thing that a person from the Middle Ages might see as, you know, a, an imp or a demon. We will see as an alien or a Sasquatch, even though they don't look alike, our minds still putting together this lost pattern. Is it a crazy out there theory? Sure. But all belief systems are, you know, ludicrous out of context. So, again, I don't really have any skin in this fight. Uh, I like talking about it. I like people knowing about it. But I don't really care if people believe it or not. And that's why I sort of... The more ridiculous, the merry, I say. Well, now I think we're going to talk about some role-playing game stuff. Uh, so me and DB should be back together in just a bit. Thank you for listening. spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit MonsterKidRadio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio. It's me, DB, just enjoying some tea here. It's super good. Uh, and I got that from California Tea House. And you can get some, too, if you go to where we have the links in the show notes or if you go to the show uh, podcast page 
website. That's what they're called. You can find the link for California Tea Kitchen. They've got these really cool teas that I like to throw into a big, clear, clear thick glass with hot water. And it's blooming tea. And it blooms out into a beautiful flower. Tastes great. Uh, the kids think it's really cool to watch. Well, Dusseldorf thinks it's cool. Barbaco is like, uh, I'm going to play video games. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, up next, Dave and I talking about the Feywild. We'll see you in a sec. Hello, everyone. Yet again, it is I, D.B. Spitzer, and farmer David Heath. Dave, how's it again, going? Again. I am, doing, I am doing well. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Anyway. So... So, so you know what Jacques Vallée and Jonathan Keel would call the Fae? What's that? Ultra-terrestrials. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See how, the, see how the show just becomes one big thing? Yep, yep, yep. So, we have got the Feywild. Dave, how would you describe the Feywild? With my own words. <laughs> and, and, and so I love the Fae. And I've got a couple sure. 5B books, you know, support it. But I've always, I mean, I love the Fae. I think the Fae is finally getting love in 5B. Mm -hmm. And we mm -hmm. see that especially, like, with the Warlock and with Wild Magic. But the Fae Wild, I've almost always done... You know, homebrew from scratch. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I I take the concept, but I don't really use anything other than maybe some reference to some of the major phase that are also referenced in some of the the D and D books. I I don't I've never really used the 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 official Feywild, even mm -hmm. though I use Feywild a lot. Okay, all right. Well, if I was going to describe the Feywild, I would call it an echo of our material plane. Uh, but it's like uh, it's got it's it's even more magical and more emotional and more. I don't know. It's it's like uh, I would say that the trees are even heavier with leaves than uh, in the prime material plane. Like if there's boars, they're fatter. I mean, it's it's like shadows are darker, uh, things are moodier, things are more dangerous. Um, there's 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 like uh, more intricate like uh, trees are older, and uh, um, you know a forest can go on for like months. <laughs> so it, it, it's the D and D world turned up to eleven. Yeah, I I, I want to say it's like the D and D world turned up to fifteen. <laughs> it's my yeah. my world doesn't go that high. Okay, okay, well, and, and, and again to sort of borrow from Keel, yeah, he describes this as sort of the the super spectrum. Okay, all right, where you know everything's going to be much more intense, emotions. Yeah. So everything from love to hate. Um, you know, everything, yeah, so it's much more primal in a way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not diluted by society. Even though there are cultures and societies that exist in it, it mm -hmm. doesn't dilute no. the, the pure original. Mm -hmm, mm 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that is a great way to describe uh, kind of like the, the, the feel of the, uh, the Feywild. Mm. Um, yeah, no, no, it's, 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 it's where elves come from. <laughs> it's, it's, it's where uh, a lot of our Fey folk, well, I, I think okay. all the Fey folk come from the Feywild. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's, 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 uh, I don't know. I, I think it's probably considered a, mm, what's the best way? Uh, it's, 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 it's time is concurrent with your prime material plane. If, if you're in Greyhawk and Greyhawk is more like 12th century D and D type, and versus your um, Forgotten Realms, which is more like 16th century, 17th century D&D type. And I was going to say, and Ravenloft, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I think that's in the Shadowfell, or I can't even yeah, remember. But, the the but, Plane of Dread. <laughs> yeah. but, but you're right. So it does mirror the material world. Yeah. But in this, again more colorful mirror. Yeah. It, it, it's like if you look in the mirror and, and your clothes is brighter and your smile is wider and, you know, more more lighting than than in the room you're standing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I would say that it's like architecture is uh, like more whimsical or or it's like super, super, super scary. It's like... You know, people go, oh, I'm a I'm a mean spirited, evil, uh, some sort of fey folk. Um, I'm going to make a big cave that's decorated in bones and it's going to be really scary. Everyone's going to be terrified. And the mountain is I'm going to carve the face into a, uh, the, the entrance into a skull. You know, it's like and, and, you know, then then on the other side of the spectrum, you have like chaotic good fairies who are like, we're going to put a bunch of crystals in this tree and uh, use our magic to make them glow all the time. It's going to be a big glowing fairy city. And we're going to harvest these flowers right around harvest. No, we'll, we'll just throw the seeds around this area. It'll all grow wild. We'll live on honey. It'll be the best. And, but, it's, but, it's, and I think you're right. It's very chaotic. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 you know, there are, I want to say some lawful-ish, like there are laws that exist as in like natural laws. Like yeah. you're not going to go walking around the Feywild and find gravity doesn't exist in part of it. You will find Fey pulling tricks on you maybe that make you think that, but that's not the case. Uh, yeah. Time moves at the same rate. It's, it's, it's very much kind of like the ethereal plane, which um, is just kind of like, the the it's 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 like the ethereal plane is like if you're trapped in a mirror dimension you know it mm. that's that's kind of fuzzy and foggy we haven't really covered it i don't know if we're going to have time to cover it but you know it's 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 the it's the plane right next to us and so is the feywild uh the feywild is this as i've said just bright 
wild place. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and it's close enough that you recognize it. Yeah. But at the same place, it's very alien. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, and and again, we're sort of tying everything together. But um, also, um, GURPS Techomancer does a really good job of this, yeah. where basically the Fae do what aliens do in our modern mythology. Okay. They kidnap people. They yeah. experiment on people. They bring. They send them back changed. Yeah. And that's the same way. Is you can sort of treat the you know the Fae and Fae encounters almost as if they're high weirdness alien abductions. Definitely, definitely. And you've got so many different fae to choose from. Uh, like, I, are goblins considered fae? Are goblins part of the fae? I think goblins are goblinoids. Okay, all right. I, I think, um, and, I mean, uh, elves are... Fae adjacent, they're fae, uh, they're fae oriented, but um, uh, dryads, of course, sylphs, uh, trying to think of some others. Apparently, uh, we've got cyclopses, uh, goblinoids, ogres, giants, and blights. Uh, red caps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red cap satyrs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Hags, hags are fae. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, giants, ogres, goblinoids. Uh, those, those are giants and humanoids, monstrous, whatever. But yeah, no, they, they, I guess, exist in the fae, which I did not know. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there's the seely court and the unseely court, which I feel like we've talked about at some point in time but i could be wrong <laughs> um yes and i'm sure we have in the past and, and so this isn't necessarily good versus evil no it it it, it, it is darkness versus light yeah and, and they have their own agendas and their own politics yeah yeah definitely definitely um yeah, one's one's all about uh, the dark. One's all about the light. There's the dark hunt, um, which you know sounds like what it is. Uh, it's the wild hunt. It's um, I don't know. It's 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 like I don't, <laughs> uh, how how would you even describe the dark hunt, Dave? Well, and. and... Again, this is going to take from several different European yeah. uh, belief systems. Uh, but you usually have a huntsman, either uh, Serenos or uh, Henry, um, or unnamed, who usually has a stag. Um, and basically, he hunts people like you know humans have hunt food for centuries with a pack of wild dogs. Yeah. And uh, he's usually, and uh, the first time I ever came across it, I believe they had him as like a demigod in okay. one of the early um, Dragon magazines. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've seen definitely other versions. 
And it doesn't necessarily have to be the huntsman. Yeah. You know, you could take some sort of fake creature that's taking the form that worships the huntsman. That way you don't have to necessarily have level 20 characters to just survive. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, no, I, I, I like that idea. You can always do a scaled down version of it. Mm-hmm. Instead of having like the Sealy or oh, Unsealy Court yeah. uh, tracking you down, yeah, yeah. Now you can have, I don't know, regional managers of the Sealy Court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's 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 the Feywild. I mean, there's um, appears in some video games. It's in. Uh, what games? It's in. Uh, oh shoot! I can't. I can't find it. I had it. No, that was for something else. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Neverwinter. Apparently, it's in Neverwinter. Uh, yes. Yeah, Neverwinter. Uh, Fury of the Feywild. Uh, and and yeah. there's a lot of really good. You know, if we can bring that up, there's a lot of good third party books. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. They have entire fake campaigns out there now for five e. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. I I think uh, Feywild is part of the original OGL. Which the more and more I've heard about it, I feel like, oh man, I said doesn't sound too bad to me. I don't make money off of it, but it's like, yikes! It wasn't a good thing. I'm glad it sounds like people are trying to fix the. D and D OGL thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about right now, go check out D and D. Like hashtag D and D in social media, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, no, it's it's uh, the Feywild. There's so much cool stuff on it. I know that uh, there's like a Pathfinder had a bunch of stuff on the Feywild, their version of the Feywild, and I'm sure uh, if you look for anything. Uh, online about the Feywild, you'll find all kinds of homebrew stuff that is just as cool as uh, this stuff here. That's that's uh, fairly in depth. I mean, there's there's like a lot of things. Like you can have all kinds of locations and places that are full of goblins and uh, I don't know regions that are like cyclopses and mountains and. You know, the mountains are really, really, really high and uh, the oceans are super, super deep. And you've got the aquatic gnomes and you've got the winged. I mean, you've got the aquatic elves and you've got the winged elves and you've got all the different kind of elves. You've got sun elves, you've got moon elves, you've got golden and silver and wood. In addition to to elves, you now have the idea that the greater fae or the arch fae yeah, can be you can have a pack with them as warlock. Yeah, and that brings it, especially if you have a a, a fey based warlock, that adds so much more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what happens when your fey based warlock goes to the fey? Are they more powerful, or are they just another person or another fey power user? <laughs> yes, both. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No. Um. And I, I, I want to say, like, uh, the only limitations to the Fae may be the limitations to your own prime material realm. Like, you can be like, okay, well, let's uh, let's take a balloon around the Feywild 
and may not be a great idea because there's all kinds of stuff that flies, but let's travel all the way around the Feywild. It's, it's not going to be an infinite plane. Um, it might feel like it because, you know, it's like how big is Faerun? How big is Greyhawk or, or, or Earth or what, what your campaign setting? How big is the planet? I mean, how big is the crystal sphere uh, for all you spell jammers out there? Um, but yeah, yeah. It's the Feywild. It's wild, man. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. What what kind of stuff would you put into a Feywild, Dave? Well, I mean, I would definitely put, you know, you have dryads, you have nymphs, uh, quicklings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of the thing is, you know, brownies, uh, leprechauns. Yeah. And uh, that's part of it is you could sort of make your own. Yeah. Maybe maybe kobolds, but, you know, like highly magical kobolds. Oh, yeah. And and make them them different, though. Make them like they're they're like chameleon kobolds, but they can't control it. Their, Their skin keeps changing colors every seven seconds. Uh, we accidentally created something very close <laughs> to that, and well, we didn't create it. Uh, my DM did, but he made us feel like it was our job. Uh, my buddy Jeremy, he uh, had a NPC <coughs> that was a kobold that was following us around, and uh, someone left their backpack out, and the kobold grabbed all of the potions and drank them at once and became a blue kobold with like an insanely high strength. That was larger than other kobolds, and the uh, spell turned it blue and also made uh, the size and strength uh, permanent, and it it had other magical abilities, and then it became, like, our big bad for a while because it it didn't like how we treated it, and then it got bigger than us, so... (laughs) So remember, be nice to your kobolds. Yeah, be nice to your torchbearer and don't use them for uh, checking uh, tile floors for traps by (laughs) grabbing them by the back of their shirt and the back of their pants and sliding them across the floor. (laughs) No, don't. (laughs) Don't do that. Anyway. But yeah, yeah, that's what... That's, 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 uh, yeah, that's a Feywild. Um, So... uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I was going to say, what I would uh, throw into the Feywild that I haven't seen and I think might be a kind of interesting concept is instead of having, I mean, in like uh, you have like your water elves and you have your uh, aerial elves. Uh, what if you had like fire and uh, earth? I mean... Yeah, I mean, you have your, like, wood elves, and that can be your, like, uh, go for, like, an elemental thing. I know we yeah. did uh, the inner, the, the, the uh, uh, inner planes uh, a while back, but, yeah, no, no, just, like, have, like, fire elves and uh, three aerial elves and, and you know, you could do that kind of stuff. And then, like, maybe even then, like, have quasi-planial elves, like, Oh yeah, that's a lava elf, and that's a mist elf, and that's an electric elf, and I don't know. We don't have to go Pokemon on this, so. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, I was thinking, I was like, what about an ice elf the other day? It's like, yeah. ice elves, that's a cool idea. Elves that live in like a glacier? Yeah. No. Anyway. So yeah, I mean, that's 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 my cool idea for the Feywild is elemental and quasi-elemental elves. Okay. Uh, I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Or both. Or both. Yeah, you could, like, I don't know, just choose something and be like, okay, this, you find something that you don't think has as much use and, like, just put an elemental uh, template on them or just, you know, uh, make them resistant to that element and then make their damage uh, that element plus something. <laughs> All right. I think I am done for the day. I uh, think we have covered this thoroughly. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Uh, join us next week when we'll be talking more about the Cthulhu mythos. And, um, yeah, that's that's it. Uh, join us uh, February 17th, 18th, and 19th at Fan Expo in Portland, Oregon at the Expo Center. And not the Expo Center, the Convention Center. Convention Center on Martin yeah. Luther King Drive. Yes, yes. And we also, well, I will be presenting uh, the 18th at 7 o'clock in room B something. And I can't remember what day, but uh, Derek Cook from Monster Kid Radio. Same is, day, about two hours before. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. The 18th as well. That's pretty yes. cool. All right. As of now, things may change. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, everyone. Thank you again so much for listening. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, tell your ma, tell your pa, or I'll ship you down to Safagua. Uh, we've got the Facebook, the Instagram. The Twitter still for some reason and the YouTube. So yeah, check us out and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 That was a good show. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you the I'll get you that ultra terrestrial thing. All right. That sounds awesome. That sounds okay. good. I'm excited about that.